You are listening to Global IQ Minute with Jim Falk, a World Affairs Council conversation with authoritative voices discussing significant newsmaking issues and individuals. My guest today is the Ambassador of France to the United States, Gerard Arrault, a post he has held for just over two years, having served previously as France's Ambassador to the United States. Welcome, Your Excellency. Welcome. Good morning. Throughout your career, you've spent considerable time working on Middle East issues, including serving as Ambassador to Israel and also working as France's negotiator on the Iran deal. Given this experience, I'd like to begin our conversation with a few questions on the Middle East. Do you see a political situation for Syria? Unfortunately, what we know right now after five years of civil war is that the Assad regime doesn't negotiate. You know, really, Assad had several opportunities to, in a sense, try to organize a political transition or even to pretend to organize a political transition. But he has really been faithful to the way his family has always governed Syria in a very bloody way. It's really a real violent and brutal dictatorship. And unfortunately, right now, Assad he may think that he has the upper hand on the battlefield and that he may win the war. And the Israeli-Palestinian issue has really not been focused on over the last few years. Do you see a change in that? Well, uh, you know, really, today, if you look at the Middle East, you don't have a lot of reasons to be optimistic. The problem that we have now is, in a sense, the settlement policy of Israel is making more and more difficult territorial compromise. You know, if you want to have a peace, the only possible one is a two-state solution. The problem is to have a viable Palestinian state. Right now, you have to evacuate between 80,000 and 100,000 Israeli settlers. And to evacuate so many settlers, you know, from the land of the Bible, I think it would be nearly impossible. It's more and more difficult. So if I want to be optimistic, I would say it's five minutes to midnight. We have to find a solution right now. If we don't do it in the coming years, it will be too late. No Israeli government will be, I guess, politically able to repatriate so many settlers. And it's awfully hard now to make that a political priority, it seems. You know, both sides, for their own reasons, the Palestinians and the Israelis, are right now unable to go to peace by themselves. So I, I really do think that nothing is possible if the United States, but also the Arab states and the European states don't work together to try to present to both sides an acceptable package deal. And before we move to Europe, I would like to ask you about the Iran nuclear deal. It may have deterred Iran's nuclear ambitions, and yet Iran continues to create quite a bit of mischief with its backing of terrorism and Hezbollah. How do you see that moving forward? You know, when, when we negotiated the Iran deal, we were very, very keen on isolating the nuclear issues from the other issues because we considered it was so important that we didn't want the Iranians to tell us, for instance, okay, I give up Yemen, but you give me 1,000 or 2,000 ultra-centrifuges. So for us, for, since the beginning, it was the negotiation on the nuclear deal and only on the nuclear deal. And considering everything, the result is globally a good deal. Mm -hmm. And what is important is actually the Iranians are abiding by their signature. So we do believe that for the moment we have, in a sense, stopped the nuclear program. For the rest of the behavior of Iran, you're right, you know, really. But in a sense, it's also the consequence of the new geopolitical balance or maybe imbalance in the Middle East. Iraq has disappeared as a power in this part of the world. Syria is in the middle of a civil war. 
and Egypt is going through its own difficulties, which means that you don't have a power to balance your hand. And you know, in, in, in power politics, it means that if you have the power, you use it. So Iran is simply advancing, moving forward because of its weight, and which explains the fact that the Saudis feel a bit lonely in front of this Iranian power. So I think it's very important for the friends of Saudi Arabia, and France is one of them, but the US also, that in a sense we help the Saudis to balance Iran, you know, really to make the Iranians understand that they don't move forward. But Iran has a challenge because there's still very intensive, strenuous sanctions held against them. That's one of the problems that we are facing, because if the sanctions linked to the nuclear program have been lifted, actually in the US you have a lot of other sanctions which are still there and which were imposed for because of terrorism or violations of the human rights, and the Congress being what it is right now, of course don't want to lift the sanctions. Which means that, contrary to what a lot of people say, the Iranians are abiding by the side of the deal, but at the same time they are complaining that we don't on our side because these remaining sanctions are preventing, for instance, the major international banks from being active on the Iranian market. And as you can guess, it's very difficult to have a significant trade or making business with Iran without big banks for financing it. So they can't really be integrated into the global economy. Exactly, yeah. and they are complaining. I can't believe that in two weeks at last, our election hopefully will be finished, but you're just beginning your election yeah. posturing, and the political parties to the right are gathering a lot more strength. With Marie Le Pen emerging as a serious candidate, why do you think there is now such a strong movement against globalism and do you expect a sense of political crisis occurring in France? In a sense, you know, really, usually when I was asked to explain to my French friends, you know, the American political life, I was used to say they are very different. And right now, which is striking, is the opposite how comparable the political lives between the US on one side and Europe on the other side. We are everywhere in Western democracies, we are facing the same outbursts of populism, and exactly in the same terms. And I do think that the origin of that has to be found in the economic plight of a lot of our citizens, you know, facing suffering from globalization. If you look at the average income of a lot of households here or in Europe, you know, a lot of them have been stagnating or even falling since 2005. You know, really, so it's a rebellion largely of the losers of globalization. And we're seeing this rebellion, of course, with Brexit. Exactly. Give us your thoughts on what may happen there. You know, our common interest on the UK side, on the EU side, is to have a good agreement. Because the UK is, is an ally, is a friend, is, is a strong partner. So we really we would want to have a productive relationship between the EU and the UK. But having said that, it's true that the negotiation will be extremely complicated, extremely complicated, and that at any moment it could become contentious. So really, if you believe in the rationality of the human being, uh, and I don't, uh, you could say, okay, they will muddle through and find an acceptable compromise. But unfortunately, I, I do believe that there are a lot, a lot of reasons to be worried about this negotiation. In a sense, do you think France will be a beneficiary of some of the jobs that will be leaving the UK? You know, for instance, the city of London is going to lose a part of its activities. You know, really, right now, the city is the clearinghouse for the euro market. 
you know, if the UK is out of the EU, it, it really it's obvious that the clearinghouse is going to move back to continental Europe. And the American banks, which are very active in London, are telling us that they will uh, move part of their activities. But I don't think it's the most important. I do hope that they will come to Paris. But in any case, I'm convinced that this Brexit will be a lose-lose situation for the British, for the Europeans, including the French, and therefore also for the U.S. You know, I can't end our conversation without asking you about this. You are probably the most active ambassador on Twitter. In fact, you have over 30,000 followers, and now I'm one, so 30,000 plus one. Do you write your own tweets? Yes, I do it. You know, when you arrive in Washington, D.C. as the French ambassador, you are asking, what is the use of a French ambassador? You know, really, because our economic, but also human relationship between our two countries is so intense that it's very difficult to hope to make a difference. How can I make a difference? Mm -hmm. So I've decided that one of the axes of my trying to make a difference will be the social media. So I, I'm writing myself my tweets. And sometimes they're quite controversial. Exactly. <laughs> I think, and once or twice, or twice or three times, actually, I've tiptoed on the red lines. <laughs> And I've been requested politely by Paris to delete my tweet. But, I, you know... So we have to follow you all the time to be sure we don't miss one. Exactly. You know, when you are tweeting, even if you engage with people, I'm trying to engage with people, but even if you try to contradict the people, I guess the people are grateful because they see it as the evidence that you take into account their opinion. And we are living in a world where now it's top-down approach don't work anymore. We are living in networks, in a networks society. So you have to be part of the network and you have to accept what does it mean. And what do you think should be the top priority to improve U.S.-French relations for the new president? First, I think the, the relationships are excellent. And, and I can say it because it has not always been the case. It has been like in a very good family. It's a, a bit a roller coaster. But the relationship is excellent. You know, our soldiers are fighting together in Africa against terrorism, in the Middle East against ISIS. Our aircraft carrier is there, you know, really for bombing the, the terrorists. So the relationship is very good. Now, I would think that it would be important for the next American president to coordinate uh, her or his policy. Uh, Did I notice let's say, anything there? Let's say her. <laughs> let's say her. Uh, her policy with the, the European countries, because as I've said, facing the same challenges, especially in economic terms, I think we have to find a way out together. I want to thank you very much for being our guest. You've been listening to the Ambassador of France, Gerard Ajo. Thank you very much. Thank you for listening to Global IQ Minute with Jim Falk, a production of the World Affairs Council of Dallas-Fort Worth. For information about a World Affairs Council in your community, visit worldaffairscouncils.org.